This episode of the Vincast, Australia's premier wine podcast, is brought to you in part by Different Drop, an online wine retailer based in Sydney that actually specialises in Australian wines of provenance, authenticity and innovation. Uh, if you go to the Different Drop website, you're going to find a huge range of wines uh, from different styles, uh, different varieties uh, and covering different regions. And uh, the guys at Different Drop have done an amazing job uh, to find uh, some of the most exciting wines uh, being made in Australia at the moment. Uh, these really are very small batch wines, so it, it can often be a case of blink and you'll miss it. Um, because, uh, you know, they really want people who are pushing the boundaries. And in the same way that uh, I try and have guests on the podcast who are really trying to do something a bit different, have a really interesting story to tell, the guys at Different Drop similarly uh, want to source wines that have uh, a similar vein. So if you go to differentdrop.com forward slash intrepid wino, what you can do is actually find wines made by previous guests of this podcast. And by purchasing those wines, not only do you actually get to, um, to find out more about the story that you heard on the podcast but you actually are supporting those guests who very generously donate their time and so uh, I really appreciate you guys going to the website uh, make sure you're putting in the code IntrepidWino at purchase because then you're going to get a 10% discount which has been very generously offered by the guys at Different Drops so thank you very much for the support of this podcast and I hope you enjoy this episode. episode of the Vincast, I chat with David Lemire, MW, a master of wine based in Adelaide, who uh, not only works for Sean Smith, Adelaide Hills wine producer, but also makes some of his own wine under the La Linea brand uh, made from Tempranillo. Hello there, Vincasters, and welcome to another episode of the Vincast. My name is James Gersbrook, otherwise known as the Intrepid Wino, and Christmas is very rapidly approaching. Now is a perfect time to be buying wines, not only for the celebrations, but also as far as gifts. Uh, and I, uh, I just did a, a little YouTube Let's Taste video, um, which will go out very soon. Um, from uh, some Darenberg wines, very iconic red wines, which uh, were donated by the guys at Darenberg, which uh, is very flattering. I really appreciate people um, who are interested to see what I think of their wines. So please, if you are um, keen for me to have a taste of your wines, I'm more than happy for you to get in touch. Um, but also, I'm, I'm more, you know, I would love for you to get in touch if you yourself would like to be on the Vincast, whether or not uh, you, you would be a guest or if you'd like to make some sort of contribution. Uh, I'm always open. Uh, to any assistance you might want to provide uh, and, and any feedback of course is always appreciated so please go to intrepidwino.com uh, and find out different ways you can get in contact with me because I love hearing from people. So for this week's episode I invited my uh, second MW, Master of Wine, uh, David Lemire. Uh, David has um, worked for a number of years for Sean Smith, uh, iconic Adelaide Hills wine producer um, but has a, a long history of uh, working in different uh, elements of the wine industry uh, and more recently has been uh, making some wines under the La Linea brand uh, and also has involvement in a really cool wine bar in Adelaide. So it's really fascinating to hear about his background and, and kind of what, why he chose the path that he has. 
Uh, and, um, you know, I, I look forward to, uh, to tasting more of his wines in the future. But uh, hope you enjoy the episode, guys. Uh, I look forward to, um, to hearing from you. Make sure to listen to the end so you can find out how. But until then, I'll see you on the other side. David, thank you very much for making some time to be on the Vincast and welcome as uh, officially my second Master of Wine. <laughs> Thanks, James. Pleasure. Uh, and, um, and also, first time in a while, I've had a Skype guest on. So um, thank you very much. Uh, usually I start every episode by asking my guest uh, if they can remember what their first interaction with wine was that kind of set them on the path of wanting to to work in the wine industry. I think, um, you know, there are a few things that kind of stick out from the early days for me. I um, I was at school with uh, some of the Baileys who uh, at that time owned um, – with a partner, I reckon they probably owned a dozen bottle shops around Adelaide, and so um, being at school with two of the two of the sons of that family, uh, a few of us from my school ended up uh, doing a bit of part-time work at those stores in the holidays. So that was yeah. sort of my first interaction, and I particularly remember. Um, and as I went through uni, I worked part-time in in bottle shops and. Uh, there are probably a couple of memorable things. My, my parents were interested in wine. They uh, used to go up and visit the Barossa and in particular Henschke um, in the 70s and, and so they had a, a pretty nice little stash of um, Henschke's from the early 70s and also a few you know a few bottles going back into the late 60s. And, they probably would uh, have been quite affordable back then too. <laughs> Yeah, well, they were, you know, I mean, that dad was uh, an academic, you know, it was, you know, they they, they weren't, uh, you know, people who spent a huge amount on wine, but they would, they would, you know, they certainly enjoyed it and they'd come, they'd come back with, you know, two or three dozen from a, an annual trip to Henschke, that sort of thing, so mm. it must have been reasonably affordable, but um sadly, I think we've, uh, with my help, we've pretty well got through <laughs> The bulk of those Henschkes now. I'm sure they were enjoyed. <laughs> oh, absolutely, they, they they were. There were some some great old bottles, and uh, you know it's nice now. You know, I'm in a in a wine club with Stephen and Prue, and I you know know the um, know Johan and, uh, and and Justine, and the you know the paths cross a bit, which is which is kind of nice, you know, and a, and, a, and a very Adelaide thing, of course, that uh, everyone knows everyone. So you were born uh, and you grew up in Adelaide. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, my. My parents, mum was from Melbourne, dad from uh, Michigan. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, so they, they met in the UK, um, were based in Canada for a bit, and I was born just after they arrived in Australia. So okay. uh, dad, dad got a job at Flinders Uni and uh, uh, in the English department there. And, um, yeah, so that was uh, my brother and sister were born in Canada. I was born, born uh, in, in, in Adelaide. So the other memorable thing for me from those early days that, you know, was, you know, it was a gradual thing, I guess, of really getting into wine and realising that, that that's what I wanted to do. But there was a, a leaving party for Aaron Brasher, who was a, a mate of mine um, through uh, junior football originally, but um, Brash was leaving the... At that time, I think it was called Vintage Cellars because this is a chain that was sold to Coles um, in the early 90s, I think it was. Mm. Um, and there was Vintage Cellars at Polaire and the store still exists, but it was a terrific fine wine shop and, and Brash was leaving. 
And the leaving due that night, you know, it was, um, you know, we, we, we chipped in and drank, you know, four or five vintages of Grange. We went through, I think, uh, four bottles of Seppelt's Great Western 1964 sparkling Burgundy. Um, you know, and, uh, and it was just one of those amazing nights where you kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of great fun and revelationary all at the same time. And you're just thinking, wow, this is, um, you know, it's, it's that thing about wine where you do feel like a kid in a candy store. And, uh, and, and I think, um, you know, retaining that, uh, you know, the kind of wonder that, that wine can give you, um, is a really important thing, I think. And I know, you know, Jeff had, uh, Andrew Jeff had spoke about this because I think it is easy. You know, we all get busy in our, our, um, our jobs and life and so on. And, and just to kind of, you know, and I think, I think in Australia, we do that pretty well. You know, we, we kind of, um, we do get excited about getting together and sharing good bottles. And, and that's something that I, I really enjoy about the, um, the wine business and the community yep. that we're in. Yeah. So, um, so your parents were were lovers of wine when you were young. Was that was uh, food and wine kind of an important thing growing up? Yeah. Look, um, they were lovers of yeah. They were lovers of wine. Food and wine was you know it, it was um, you know they liked good food and and wine. They and they drank wine. You know, a glass of wine pretty much. You know, each night with dinner. Yeah. Um, and they weren't foodies the way that, you know, we, you know, we have this sort of foodie movement now, I guess. But, yeah, so, yeah they, they certainly were into, into good food and wine, but in a, in a kind of, uh, you know, not in a, a way that they would have considered themselves foodies or anything, but they just... Um, I guess diversity know, of cuisine probably was still not quite there, but, you know, in Adelaide, I would think, back then. No, no, and, and I guess you know having having you know dad coming from the US and and them you know living in the UK and Canada and that sort of thing, there was a bit of diversity in their world and a bit of openness to to different food and wine. Sure, um, but it was just something in the background. It wasn't sort of a conscious you know thing where they're you know hunting out new food and wine experiences. They were they were just kind of you know um, enjoying. Eating and drinking with you know with friends and um, uh, yeah, so it was you know a, a good in, a good environment, but not a not a foodie environment the way that uh, you know a lot of us probably get into it a bit more these days. Well, I know that you know my, speaking for myself, growing up, you know I, my parents instilled in me a a love of good good food, not great food necessarily, but my dad was a good cook, and you know they drank wine, and, and I suppose being around that being around them drinking wine with dinner eventually kind of got me interested in it a little bit more i guess yeah, so, so it's sort yeah. of an, it's sort of a natural thing i, I think whereas, whereas people whose parents didn't drink wine you know maybe drank beer or didn't drink at all kind of might come to it a bit later yeah and and, and for me it was yeah, a very you know, a very natural thing. I think it's yeah. It was just sort of there in the background. It wasn't something foreign to me. It was just uh, something that um, you know. And, and yeah, I, I I guess I came to it. You know, uh, at the age of you know eighteen, nineteen, twenty. You know that sort of age. So you know, re- reasonably young, I guess, because a lot of people do come to it a bit later. But were you drinking 
like wine because it was alcohol or were you getting interested in sort of drinking good stuff and sort of were you starting to taste things and learning about different grape varieties, that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, that that probably, that side of it came uh, as much as anything through the work and the, sure. and the people who I met and, and friends who were, you know, who were in the wine industry earlier than me and who I worked with at bottle shops and just, so there was that side of it. I mean, as a, you know, as, as a teenager, you know, and, and always looking to uh, to find trouble, you know, there was, <laughs> there was kind of, you know, there was alcohol, you know, around in, in my peer group, you know, probably from a bit earlier than that. Of course. Because I didn't, I didn't start drinking wine, I think I was, until I was maybe 19 or 20 at least. Before that, it was beer or I guess probably mixed drinks. Yeah. Ironically, as I got more into the wine business, I, I probably, you know, uh, got out of, you know, stopped any sort of, well, not stopped entirely, but, you know, I just did, I drank in a better way once I was involved in wine. You know, I was less likely to uh, be drinking for the sake of, uh, you know, um, drinking alcohol. So, so this, this was whilst you were working in, in retail as you were studying? Yeah, that's right. Yep. yep. So, what, doing, what are you actually was, studying at uni? So, I was doing uh, English and history and a bit of French at uni. And oh, that's pretty um, much what I did. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, I did uh, did honors in history, and Dad was a professor of English, and uh, so I kind of had that uh, those humanities very much um, in my blood, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Cool. And um and and was it sort of the retail you know experience working with wine that kind of did you sort of finish your your studies and think well what could I do now because that's what I yeah. did <laughs> yeah for me before I'd finished the uh, my um, honours year you know I I already knew that I wanted to to be in the wine industry and and so okay. I kind of. You know, I, I finished it because I wanted to finish it, and I and I enjoyed it, and still do. You know, enjoy, um, you know, reading and writing, and 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 all of those um, things that um, were part of that degree and part of that life. And uh, you know, but by that stage, I knew that I wanted to be in the wine business, and I. So I guess I had a couple of choices. One was to do, you know, what a lot of people were doing, going into the wine business, which was to do. Um, you know, a wine marketing, and I was probably more interested in the sales and marketing side than wine making at that stage. Yeah. Um, so I could go and and go to wait, uh, which is where it was, I think, at that time, and um, do an undergraduate course of you know three or four years more of uni. But having just done um, four years of uni, I was not that keen. I just felt like I, I needed to get out and do some work as well. So I, I went down the route of going to the UK, um, working in, you know, doing some retail work there and doing the WSET um, diploma over in the UK. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was 94, 95 that uh, uh, I was over there and, and yeah, did the WSET and, and really enjoyed it and enjoyed that whole experience, but also, you know, was exposed to the, the UK wine market and a, and, a, and a very, you know, what I used to call a, a pure wine market in that it wasn't, um, 
influenced overly by its own production. So everything was on an equal footing and, uh, you know, you could, you could buy and drink wine from anywhere in the world pretty much. And um, so that was, you know, that was incredibly exciting and very formative. And um, I did the odd bins thing, which is, um, you know, a bit of a tour of duty for a lot of Aussie wine people at the time. Um, and it was, it was brilliant. Okay. And and was that a really fantastic opportunity to discover wines from other parts of the world as well? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's that's where, um, you know, I mean, I think in Australia, I'd, I'd had a uh, an introduction to some of the classics, um, but know, as they possibly related to Australian wine. Yeah, um, what what the UK gave me was much more breadth of of understanding. You know, of of. Uh, not just the classics, but more more understanding of the classics, but also a whole lot of you know other wines at cheaper price points of you know South America, different parts of Italy, you know lesser lesser parts of France and Spain, you know that that we didn't see much of in Australia, and just a whole context and and absolutely understanding Australian wine in a global context that that's kind of been a bit of a a bit of a theme, I guess, that having that understanding has always been useful for me career-wise to, um, you know, just to have a feel for you know, how does this stand up stylistically and quality-wise um, against what's going to be on the shelf in the UK or the US or Hong Kong from France, Italy, Spain, you know, Chile, Argentina and so on. So I think that global view is... Um, been you know a really useful thing for me so whilst you were living in the uk working for odd bins and studying the wset did you have the opportunity to do much travel into for example other parts of europe and, and visit some wine regions uh yes i uh with with my uh, girlfriend at the time now wife we um you know we we had some small trips um to places that were close like Champagne and Burgundy and then we did a bigger tour which was which part wine but also you know we just we spent sort of seven or eight weeks touring around Europe um uh toward the end of our stint in the UK and um yeah just visited a few more regions and um you know and and that gave me a taste for it and I guess I've been yeah, lucky enough or um uh, yeah, somehow managed to be in positions where I've been able to get over to, you know, particularly to Europe and get back and visit people and visit vineyards and, and, and wineries. And, um, you know, probably Burgundy is the one that I visited the most. And, um, I don't think you're yeah, alone there. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, no. But it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty special place. But I've, you know, I've just, you know, been, been incredibly lucky to be able to, you know, visit wine regions as part of my uh, jobs and, um, you know, it's something we now do, you know, at, at Shaw and Smith is that, you know, we, we try and maintain our connection, you know, with great wines of the world and contacts with other producers and, and just, um, you know, not lose, not lose those connections and, and become isolated, you know, here in, in a region in South Australia. Uh, so uh, after the the UK experience and and getting to do a bit of travel, uh, what was the next step? 
So the next step, I'd been um, before I before I went to the UK, I'd, I'd been introduced to a lady called Vicky Arnold, who was an export manager for Yolumba, um, and that their export arm was Negociants uh, Negociants International, and so that gave me, and, and I also had other. You know, knew other people within that business, and um, uh, so when I came back and I told, you know, I, I contacted Vicky and and she passed passed my note on to uh, Robert Hill Smith and John Ald, um, saying that I was interested in in some work, you know, potentially, you know, with with them in their wholesale business, and um, there was a job in Melbourne, and it turned out the. Um, the guy who was who was running the negotiants business in Melbourne was a chap called Jeremy Holmes, who uh, you know is is you know, is and was at the time a mate of mine, and he um, he was about to leave uh, negotiants to, uh, to to do to get involved in another business, but he he helped me um, get an interview in Melbourne, which was where there was a role uh, on the road with negotiants Australia. And um, yeah, I, I, I kind of didn't impress them particularly at the interview. <laughs> I found out later, but um, uh, because I think I was, um, you know, acting too relaxed because mainly because I was nervous and they thought I didn't really care because I was obviously successfully looking very, very, uh, you know, relaxed about the whole thing. Um, but uh, so I started work with Negotiations Australia in uh, January of '96. Okay, uh, and, and, and at that was, time it already had a very strong reputation for, particularly for wine imports. Yeah, it had a really strong import portfolio. Um, it was it was still relatively early days for Negociants Australia. There, I mean, um, the imports um, had been brought back into Negociants. They were they were kind of brought in, but they were sold by a business called IH Baker. Um, in, before negotiations set up as a distribution business, and then in the early nineties they they set up a domestic portfolio, um, and you know at that time there was um, uh, some of the ones who are still involved in that business now, like Wera Wera, um, Jim Barry. There was Rymel, um, and there were some that are long gone, like um, Goundry. You know, we we were selling uh, a heap of. Goundry on Wooded Chardonnay back in those days and, um, uh, you know, uh, what else was there? There was, um, uh, yeah, quite, quite a few things have um, come and gone. You know, we, we had Mount Langy Guran back then and uh, mm. you know, there was a very memorable trip out there and I can remember, you know, a vertical tasting with Trevor Master of those wines and, and that was a pretty amazing experience, and uh, but yeah, it was it was great fun, you know, and really getting uh, involved in uh, selling wine to the Melbourne trade, um, and uh, you know, both domestic and imported. And and the 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 chap running the imports was a guy called Russell Branton, um, and uh, you know, he was. Uh, uh, you know, apart from being a, a hater of Cabernet, a legendary hater of Cabernet and uh, lover of Burgundy, mm-hmm. um, you know, Russell was, 
you know, supportive in his in his in his own sort of very dry way of, of people who were um, interested in, in imported wines. And I can remember, you know, um, uh, you know, Philip Rich at that stage was, you know, one of the the young keen people about you know around town, and and it was you know it was a really interesting time in the you know this was ninety six ninety seven in in the Melbourne trade. Hope you're enjoying this episode of the Vincast. Apologies for the interruption, but uh, if you are a, a great supporter of wine communication, you know, hopefully that's why you listen to this podcast. Um, a really great wine communicator uh, based here in Australia is Wine Companion. Wine Companion, of course, um, stems from uh, James Halliday, that amazing uh, wine educator, wine communicator who uh, has decades of experience and um, has you know chronicled some of the greatest Australian wines ever made. Uh, but uh, it, it has evolved now into uh, an amazing resource on their website uh, where you can get tasting notes and, and ratings uh, and information about wineries. But also Wine Companion uh, is, is a magazine that uh, has contributors, you know, some of whom have actually been on this very podcast, uh, you know, who make really great articles and it's very educational and informative about wine. So I highly recommend going and checking out Wine Companion. If you are a listener of this podcast, the guys at Wine Companion have very generously offered a special discount. If you put in the code INTREPID30 at purchase, you'll get a 30% discount on any subscription package, which is incredible savings. And uh, it's actually a fantastic Christmas gift. So why not give someone the gift of a subscription to Wine Companion and they will love you at least until next Christmas. Uh, So thanks for listening to this episode, guys. And certainly as far as the wine market and Australian wine, you know, this is a real boom period and a lot, there's a lot of investment going in. And I guess, you know, some of those producers that you mentioned were real icons um, of, of modern Australian wine. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it probably doesn't feel like a boom when you're in it, I guess, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just seems. Well, compared to when I was starting to really get into the wine, which was 2008, yeah, you know, since then the wine market's changed fairly dramatically. You know, with uh, global financial crises and strong Australian dollars and stuff like that. But but back back then, you know, it just seems things have got bigger and bigger. And particularly as far as exporting of Australian wine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that was you know there was a lot of activity and um, you know there was a lot of planting happening back then as well. People were expanding, new businesses were starting. Um, yeah. You know, when a lot of the planting that was done in the in the nineties um, resulted, obviously, in us having too many uh, too many vines in the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, which which you know the industry I think is is getting toward dealing with and getting back into balance. But it also meant that you had this um, you know this vineyard landscape that you can't change very easily so when you when when we went in as an industry to a period in the 2000s of stop planning you know and stop expanding you know we've overshot um what that means is that you you know it, it's hard to change those vineyards you've got to live with what you've got for quite a while so i think that's kind of uh, i think we're coming out of that a bit and there's you know a lot more um, grafting and there's a lot more, you know, alternative varieties that people are starting to work with. But that that did sort of slow down, I think, the evolution of our vineyards just because we'd gone too hard too quickly in the 90s. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and what was the the domestic market like? You know, were were the, was the Melbourne trade kind of interested in um, imported wines? Well, it was, but it was a lot. It was a lot smaller um, in terms of the number of people uh, who, who were really into it. And um, had Dan Murphy sort of kicked off at that point? Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. They were, um, you know, they were growing at a at a rate. Uh, Philip Murphy's was was uh, this was before Philip Murphy's was sold to uh, Coles Meyer. Yeah. So that was a separate little chain, and and obviously, you know that, you know how you have these hubs that um, Philip Murphy store at Turak. Um, you know, was one that a that a, that a lot of people. Um, I mean, I mentioned Philip Rich before. There was Michael McNamara, Kate McIntyre. A whole lot of people went through that store, and that was one of those kind of hubs. And and then and then you know Philip sold that business. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. So look, there was a there was a lot going on. There was a kind of you know a pretty exciting restaurant scene that was you know it, it was it was um, a really interesting. Um, time to be working in Melbourne. It wasn't a really long time for me because about um, fifteen months or so. So, so in um, about April May '97, a, a role came up in in export, um, and in a sense, it was you know it, it was it was a great opportunity, and um, uh, you know it was a promotion and all that sort of thing. Um, in a sense, it would would have been nice to have spent longer in Melbourne as part of that team. The, the guy running the team was a guy called Ian Bird, who was a, a great mentor, um, who who now lives in Oxford but is still involved in the wine business. Um, so it would have been nice to have had longer in that role. But this this export role was one of those opportunities that was was too good to miss, really, to 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 get out and about. Um, Promoting Australian wine, and in this case, it was um, Yolamba for that negotiations business, but also brands like Jim Barry, Henschke, um, you know, Vas Felix, that uh, the the negotiations business was involved in exporting around the world. Yeah. Okay. So, so what was the export role? So, uh, negotiations had. Um, and, and still has offices in and, and businesses in New Zealand, the US, and the UK, where they um, sell both the the proprietary brands, the you know your lumber and those sort of things, as well as some agency brands. And and so I was involved in servicing those, you know, just just involved a bit with those office but offices, but mostly I was working in markets where we didn't have our own offices, so um, Asia. Canada, um, Vicky Arnold at that time, who I'd been in touch with before I went to the UK. Um, yeah. Uh, she looked after Europe and uh, Brenton Fry, who's, you know, just retiring at the end of this year from, from Negociants, um, was the, uh, you know, ran the, ran the show for export for, for Negociants. Right, okay. So it was a pretty small team. It was, you know, it was, it was interesting. We, you know, we worked with quite a few Australian wineries, um, uh, ex- exporting them around the world, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, and and uh, you were servicing uh, a number of different markets around the world, or did you yeah, have a so focus was, market? 
Oh, I was mainly Asia and Canada, so I was, you know, just because we had, you know, other other resources elsewhere, and uh, yes, I was travelling to, um, to those markets and, um, you know, getting to know the the those markets, which was really interesting, and, um, uh, you know, and nowadays I'm I'm kind of back involved. I spent, you know, subsequent to that import role, I went back and. Sorry, that export role. I went back and ran the imports for negotiations for uh, for about seven years, um, and then I was kind of out of I was out of export really from about two thousand until about um, two thousand and ten. So for for a you know, ten or so year period, I was much more focused on the Australian market um, again, and and now I'm back in more of an international. You know, a role that has a mix of international and and domestic. Right. Okay. So, at what point did you sort of were you continuing your studies as far as Wesset, or at what point did you sort of start to move towards the the Master of Wine? And when 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 did you first get introduced to it by doing the Wesset studies in the UK? Yeah. Yeah, I did. So, like after I did the the diploma. Um, they sent me a note saying they, you know, we would be a good candidate for the MW, and I was like, well, maybe one day, but right now, you know, I'm going to have a break from studying, and that was, so that was '95 that I did the diploma. I did both sections at the same time, um, and uh, yeah, loved it. I really, I really enjoyed it so much. You know, the, the, you know, learning about all the different regions we had. You know, doing it in London, the, the, the lecturers were terrific and, you know, um, there was a, a lot of interesting wines to try. So I found it really stimulating and interesting. And yeah, and so in 2002, um, pretty sure it was 2002 was my first one, I went to a um, – uh, I, I enrolled and went to a seminar um, and uh, then – you know, got a bit of a taste for for the what what was involved in the MW, and then went back in 2003 and said, right, I'm I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sit in uh, sit the exam in 2004. So at that time, the seminar was in January, and the exams were and still are in in June. So I sort of gave myself a pretty solid campaign of 18 months from January 03 to June 04. To um to get ready for the exams, right? Okay, so what so what were the what are the preparations involved? Uh, considering that you know you'd sort of been continuing to to travel and taste and have the opportunity yeah, to look I, at you know international markets and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I had a good base in hindsight, which was great, you know, because I did, you know, I I tasted pretty widely. I'd been in the wine business for for a long time. Um. And, you know, but, but I, you know, there were lots of gaps and I guess that was the great thing for me was that doing the MW, you know, filled in a lot of gaps, gave me a lot of understanding about different parts of the wine business, um, you know, that I didn't know a lot about. And, um, you know, we, we had a, a tasting group in Adelaide of other people who were, you know, who were either, you know, in the program planning to sit or who were kind of just keen to develop their palate. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it was a really enjoyable process. You know, studying is pretty good fun. 
really. Yeah. So you you still had that kind of particular affinity with uh, Burgundy? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was studying, you know, that was my, you know, I would spend, you know, half an hour or 45 minutes learning about, um, you know, HACCP or ISO or some, you know, international shipping inco terms or something, you know, fairly uninteresting like all of that or uninteresting to me anyway. Um, and then I'd kind of reward myself with, uh, you know, a chapter or two of, uh, you know, of Clive Coates' Burgundy and, and just kind of reward myself with reading, reading about Burgundy and just immersing myself with that, which is still useful for your, you know, for your MW studies. But, um, yeah. you know, it's that kind of, uh, yeah, it's it's got to be fun. I think you you know that that process because it is a pretty long. You know, it's a it's not the easiest thing in the world to to do, and you just got to keep you know nourishing yourself with um, with Burgundy in my case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, it was good fun, and and I you know I kind of I stay involved in the MW, uh, organise the seminar. We just had the seminar a couple of weeks ago in in Adelaide, and uh, Jane Skilton MW and I. Um, kind of con- convene that seminar, and it's it's good fun, and uh, uh, yeah, we got a, a good keen bunch of students, and uh, in the last in the last couple of years, we've had some good results with new MWs who've come through the course. So that's um, it's great to see people, great to see people get there in the end, and um, and that is more than likely uh, has really helped you with um, your different roles, particularly uh, working for Sean Smith, which you've been doing for, I think you said, the last sort of five years? Yeah, that's right, yep. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's quite nice because obviously Michael Hill Smith, you know, was the, 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 first. the first, <laughs> first Aussie MW, the first from outside of uh, the UK. And and so, you know, having two of us here, there's certainly a, yeah, I guess a, an appreciation of the um, you know what it means to be an MW and 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 kind of the network and the community and and so you know it's it's it kind of makes it easier when I need a bit of time off to go and help run the seminar to uh, that, that uh, Michael and the and and Martin for that matter they know what it's all about so um, yeah it's it's great and um, how have you? Kind of uh, been in, involved with uh, taking Sean Smith uh, to to I guess to, to more markets and uh, you know growing the brand. Yeah, Sean Smith's been it's been really good for me. I've been incredibly fortunate to be able to come into a business that Michael and Martin have built um, over twenty six vintages and coming at a time five years ago where you know it 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 was a business in in great shape but there was still an opportunity for for me to um bring a different perspective and some ideas and um you know and help the business develop um you know and part of that's been um being involved in new products and projects like the top bottle vineyard down in Tasmania, which has been, you know, an incredibly exciting thing to 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 be involved with. Yeah. Um, uh, to building our sales and marketing team, which is which has grown um, to uh, have a 
you know, a little bit more emphasis than we did have on on uh, direct sales and marketing, which is, you know, a lot of wineries are trying to um, make those connections with people who are visiting the, the winery and the tasting room. and Which and, I have uh, done. <laughs> indeed, yeah. So, you know, we, we kind of want to um, do that as, as well as we can. Um, we've uh, got a bit more focused you know, we've got an education kind of culture here. You know, we so you know obviously with a, a couple of MWs, um, our winemaker Adam Waterwitz was a Duxler and Evans tutorial, mm. um, and uh, about um, uh, mid last year we hired a chap called Dan Coward. Who I'm sure you uh, you know as well, but yes. um, Dan uh, and and Dan. Uh, is our you know, Australian wholesale trade manager, so he supports red and white our distributors and and gets out and about, um, you know, into the Australian trade and and helps keep us in touch with you know a lot of our our good customers. Mm. Um, so it sounds like a pretty amazing team. It's 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 great, you know, and it's it's exciting and it's. You know, but it's also, you know, it can be, and that was for me one of the good things about it was that, you know, it was, was, was a good step I think I needed to, to make. I'd been with, with that negotiations business since January 96 through to mid 07, and then I consulted back for another three years. So it was 15 years in total. Yeah. And, um, uh, but working as a, as a consultant, you know, it can be a bit, isolating and to come into Shaw and Smith and have this team where you've got Michael and Martin, um, you know, you've got someone like Adam, you've got people like Dan with it, you know, and there's some other really great people in this business. It's it's so much more interesting but also you've got to be on your game, you know. You've got to, you know, you don't kind of go into a tasting or have a discussion about wine and quality and style um, with these guys without being you know, switched on and and really give, giving the best of yourself. You know, it's, sure, sure, sure. And and you've also um, started some of your pro- some projects of your own. Like- yeah, so I've got a uh, uh, a share in a, a business called La Linea with Peter Lesky, um, and we focus on Tempranillo in the Adelaide Hills, which has been, um, you know, which has which has done really well. It's um, you know Peter had had been at Nepenthe and he'd encouraged people in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, to plant Tempranillo back when people were planting things. Um, partly because Sangiovese, you know, people were looking for different varieties to experiment with and, and Sangiovese had proven very, very tough in the vineyard, um, partly because the, the clonal material was was rubbish really. <laughs> um, so he, he encouraged people to plant Tempranillo and, and, it's, and it's done really well. So that's um, uh, so... Uh, we 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 make you know red tempranillo um, and and a rosé which is you know proven really popular and um, and we we muck around with a bit of riesling but that's that's more because you know we uh, like like a lot of people in the wine business you know we we love riesling mm. um, but you know, com- commercial commercially you know it's it's uh, it's more of a the, the riesling thing's more of a sideline because. Uh, you know, it's it's a bit of fun, but it's um, pretty small volume. 
but yeah. uh, the Tempranillo is, um, you know, is is flying along, and uh, we're really enjoying. You know, that's the first finish was oh seven, so um, yeah, we're um, nearly ten years in. And you're also involved in a lovely little wine bar in Adelaide. I didn't realise how much work it would be, of course. At Mother Vine. Yes, indeed. And I've 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 said to people like uh you know, people like Nick Stock, I said, Stocky, you know, why didn't you tell me it was gonna be so hard, you know? And uh, he said, I did tell you. I did tell you, Dad. <laughs> you just you just didn't listen. So uh no, but it's but it is good fun and um uh one of our partners uh Frank Hanantan is a partner in Amalfi, so he brings great, um, a great hospitality experience. And uh, Michael Andrew Arthur and Pablo Theodorus from uh, from East End Cellars. So there's a you know there's a there's a good sort of wine team, and um, it's it's been good fun mm. and uh, going well. Well, I certainly uh, love popping into Mother Vine when I'm in Adelaide, and and I always like um, uh, you know grabbing a bottle of La Linnea. Uh, how do you pronounce it? La, 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 linea? la, la Linea? La Linea. La Linea. Yeah. Um, whenever I can, because uh, it's a really, uh, it's probably the best uh, tempranillo expression I've found in Australia so far. So uh, I highly recommend it myself. But uh, David, thank you very much for joining me on the Vincast for this episode. Thanks, James. Yeah, nice to reflect on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and if people would like to follow yourself on uh, things like social media uh, or what's the La Linea website address, if you wouldn't mind sharing those. Uh, so I'm on Twitter at, uh, at David Lemieux, um, David and then L-E-M-I-R-E. Um, and uh, au, and uh, also, you know, with uh, Sean Smith and, uh, and in, on various formats as well and Mothervine, yeah. I think so, the website is www.google.com. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. But uh, thanks again and obviously I look forward to catching up with you hopefully in the new year. And as always, thank you for listening to another episode of The Vincast. I have been James Scarcebrook, otherwise known as The Intrepid Wino. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, of course, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Intrepid Wino. And on uh, Twitter, you can find the podcast at The Vincast. So please give me a follow. Uh, on Facebook, if you go to facebook.com forward slash Intrepid Wino, you'll find my Facebook page, which has uh, lots of links and, and pictures and stuff like that. Uh, uh, if you go to the YouTube channel, Intrepid Wino, uh, and subscribe, you can uh, see some tastings that I've done uh, and will continue to do. Uh, and sometimes I actually do live streaming tastings, which is a really fantastic thing to get involved with because uh, you can actually buy the wines beforehand from different drop and, uh, and actually be able to taste along with us live and share your impressions. Um, of course, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. You can do it on, uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, a whole range of different podcasting apps on your um, smartphone of choice. Uh, and that way, you'll actually be able to download the episode as soon as it becomes available and provide feedback through ratings and reviews. So please, guys, if you have the time, I really would appreciate you giving me a rating and a review because it does give me some fantastic feedback, but also provides feedback to potential listeners and guests as well. All that information is available at intrepidwino.com, my website. Uh, 
along with every episode of the podcast, all the videos, lots of different writings I've done in the past, and uh, all the ways that you can get in contact with me. But uh, I hope you uh, we can catch up soon. Um, I've got lots of guests coming up very uh, in, in the coming weeks before Christmas, which is exciting. So uh, until then, bye.